The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown! 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 Georgia! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter, Drew Butler. Drew Butler, leader in the country in punts 49-plus. See if he booms this one. He does. Wow! And Rose Bowl, Sugar Bowl, and SEC championship winning quarterback, Jake Fromm. Lee Flicker to get the night started. Downfield looking for Godwin. Into his hands. With the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Dogs are winners. A national championship for a new generation of Bulldogs. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Waiting for your next mistake. I put in work and watch my status escalate. The cornballs get stolen. Welcome in. To the Punt and Pass podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler. Join alongside my co-host, Jake From. Be sure to follow us on social media at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Drew Butler. He's at From Jake. Puntandpass.com, the number one destination for all things college football. Week nine is in the books. We are about to turn the calendar to November. That's right. Tomorrow is Halloween. Tomorrow is also the first rendition of the 2023 college football playoff rankings. We got a lot to break down from what happened this past weekend across college football. We'll dive right into that. But first things first, Jake Fromm, how are you, brother? What's going on, Drew? Uh, Doing good. Had a tough loss this weekend uh, to the Eagles. Uh, But all things considered, the dogs did win on Saturday. So that's picking me up in a very dominating fashion. Other than that, man, excited to be here. Yeah, no doubt. Dogs whoop up on the Florida Gators 43 to 20. And I do need to brag on myself for a moment. I was on a couple of interviews and separate podcasts before the game. And my score prediction was 42 to 20. So I was just one point off. Dogs took care of business in a big way. We're going to talk a lot about that. Obviously, how the offense performed without Brock Bowers. A huge game coming up in Athens this upcoming weekend, welcoming the 14th-ranked Missouri Tigers between the hedges and a lot of other news to break down across the world of college football. But this episode of Punt and Pass is presented to you by our awesome partners over at Solomon Brothers Jewelers. Two awesome locations, one in Alpharetta just past the Avalon, the other in Buckhead, 17th floor, Tower Place. Solomon Brothers has the largest diamond and jewelry inventory in the Southeast, and the store is for anyone with any budget. If you mention Punt and Pass or myself or Jake, you can get 10% off your jewelry purchase. I had several people slide into my DMs this week, Jake, saying, hey, what do I need to say when I walk into Solomon Brothers? It is that time of year. November is here. The holiday season is right around the corner. And I'm telling you, guys, if you're getting something for your significant other, head on over to Solomon Brothers, mention Punt and Pass. And girls, if you listen to Punt and Pass and you want to gift your significant other a watch or a nice piece, head on over to Solomon Brothers. 
It is simply the best. At Solomon Brothers on Instagram and Twitter, SolomonBrothers.com. The biggest selection, the best quality, the lowest prices, and an in-store experience that is totally unmatched. Get on over to Solomon Brothers. All right, let's start with what happened down in Jacksonville. Georgia takes care of business in a big way, Jake. 43-20, to 20, the final score. Lab McConkie goes off, six catches over 100 yards receiving, and a touchdown. Wow. I thought they looked awesome. They looked focused. They actually looked well-rested coming out of the bye week as well. You know what, Jake? You might have... You might have flinched a little bit when Florida scored thirst, but then Georgia yeah. rips off 36 unanswered points, and um, Kirby continues his dominance with the Florida Gators. Yeah, I'm going to rip on my buddy here um, for a second because I think he encompasses a lot of Georgia fans, right? So Florida goes down. And Who's just, your buddy? What's his name? Let's air him out. Uh, my roommate, Tony Losey, um, okay. in college. So Tony played uh, – he, he pitched for the Georgia Bulldogs, played baseball. Uh, but he lived with us there at uh, 422 University Drive. All right. And uh, Tony, man, he's hitting me up at the beginning of the game. Man, this is looking good. Defense can't stop nobody. Uh, you know, because Florida, man, just has an effortless drive all the way down the field, scores yeah. seven points. Georgia now matches, you know, a good drive. But then it's something we've seen a little bit this year of not being able to get seven points. They have to settle for the field goal in the red zone. And it's like, oh, man, this is – here we go again. This isn't looking good. And then absolutely dominates the rest of the football game. Like 36 unanswered points, I think, or something like that. Yep. And dominate the line of scrimmage, um, make plays left and right. Uh, Carson goes off, plays extremely well. Um, 315 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, what like what, like what else do you want them to do I know. in a rubbery game like that one? Like they dominated that game. Uh, from start to finish they really did and Dejan Edwards 15 carries 96 yards two touchdowns on the ground you mentioned it Georgia looked extremely solid on the lines of scrimmage the pass rush really was something that I think a lot of fans enjoyed seeing Dejan I thought looked healthy Um, that was a guy who took advantage of the bye week got off his legs you just saw the kind of explosiveness but also the speed that he was able to show it's so great that Georgia came out as balanced as they were. I would not have been surprised, Jake, and I said it on last week's podcast, if they said we're going to dare you to beat us in the line of scrimmage and we're going to run, run, run the ball. I also would not have been surprised if they came out and went five wide and kind of just didn't really look towards the run saying, hey, we've got a lot of toys out here without Brock Bowers. Let's spread the love and see if Carson can dish it as we think he can. Um, I think we learned a lot of things. One, Carson can fully handle the load that coach Bobo and this offensive staff is going to give him. I believe eight different wide receivers got receptions. He looked comfortable. His touch on his passes looked really noticeable as well, but then leaning on the run game when you need to keeping the defense guessing what more could you ask for? I mean, it was a simple show of dominance by the university of Georgia Again, ranked number one, I believe, for the 20th consecutive week now. The college football playoff rankings come out tomorrow night. I guess I wouldn't be surprised if Georgia isn't ranked number one because the committee loves to drive conversation and get people talking. But based on what they did to Florida, who was on the up and up, ranked 26th, air quotes, if you want to give them that, they were the first team out of the AP Top 25 poll a week ago. Um, A show of force. 
And Georgia took advantage of the mistakes Florida made that fourth down call. I I don't know what they were thinking (laughs) in a game like that. Neutral site, punt the ball, put your defense out there. Um, What are, as a quarterback, when you get that play call, are you like, okay, I guess I I was so confused by why they would do that at that point in the game. Yeah. It's so, um, you know, when you go gimmicky on a, a, a very high pressure down a fourth down in a high pressure situation, um, you're, you're looking for a certain look, like you, you, you know what they're going to do, you know what they're going to be in, uh, somebody on the team's going to have bad eye discipline. Um, so, you know, you're able to exploit something scheme wise or player wise, we're going after a certain look. Um, and then sometimes you just don't get the look you wanted or you get caught with your pants down, so to speak. And it just does not look good on paper, you know, like either punt or yep. just, Hey, let's go play some bully bully football. Um, but man, it sucks when the the gimmick doesn't work because then everybody wants to talk about it. Everybody wants to question it. Um, but it's just kind of a feel thing through the week and how confident you feel. And you're going to get that certain look that they've been showing up to this week. Absolutely. So the fourth down call, which I, I guess you, you probably would have expected them to call timeout if they didn't get the look they wanted. But as it was ran, Mertz running up underneath the center, the center then shotgun snapping it through his legs to yeah. ETN. I think it was ETN. It might have been the other running back who then was tackled by Small Munden, I think, or Jamon yeah. Josh Johnson. That's all kind of Munden, yeah, Small Munden. Munden. Yep. Um, but then Georgia blocked a punt as well, and the route was on. Uh, a great blocked punt. Really good heads-up play also by Georgia's pump block unit. They noticed, I think, that Florida's up back only had two guys there protecting the punter instead of the usual three. They brought the pressure. They blocked the punt. Uh, It could have been a touchdown. The ball landed just inches out of the back line, so it was two points. Then Georgia got the ball back right after that. But a comedy of errors for Florida. Georgia absolutely exploited every single mistake that Florida made. And Billy Napier, you know, you, you just see the depth that Georgia has, the talent that they have, the coaching that they have. In a moment like that, coming out of the bye week, you know, my one question would be, why is Georgia's defense opening up games in soft zone? Because it seems like guys, maybe communication is off a little bit, and Florida was off to the races there with a very simple first drive that got them on the board first. Um seems like that's what Georgia's been coming out doing. I would not expect that against Missouri this weekend because you know Missouri's going to throw the ball around. Man these guys up, Jake. Get on them at the line of scrimmage and then go run with them. I don't know why they're not doing that. Yeah, um, I, I don't I don't know. You know, they, um, they they like to play a version of that. So, like, they're in their quarter stuff that, that Kirby likes to do. I mean, you're it's basically playing man without playing man. Everybody's tight. They're, they're grilling you in your face. Um, but there's a lot of communication and, and bracket type principles that play along in that scheme. And so I guess where they're losing at is in the communication process of, hey, who's where, where do I have help? And um, they're kind of getting exploited with some of these looks early in the game that are uh, they're scheming them up. Um, and that, that, that first script of plays has been looking really good for these past couple weeks against these past couple teams. Yeah, yeah, I, I... You know, I, I tell me if I'm wrong, but you, you sound exactly correct in what you're seeing 
with that quarters type defense, it, whether it's the pass off of, Hey, this guy's no longer mine. Now you have to step up or whether it's just great execution by the offense. Hey, expect the ball here. There might be some confusion on who has who you make one move and you're off to the races. It just seems like that's what's been happening. And yes, for as slow of starts that Georgia has had, Throughout the first eight games of the season, the offense came out and, and kind of quiet those doubters immediately. Now you look at some of the points that Georgia had in the red zone, opening up with, I think, a 22-yard field goal by Peyton Woodring. That could have easily been another six points. Then another one of his field goals was 32 yards as well. You know, you would just like this this game. I, what I'm saying is this game could have gotten way out of hand. Oh, yeah. and I'm sure you know, Georgia and coach Bobo and that offensive staff, um, they're not all sunshine and rainbows Monday at the facility today. They're getting on these guys saying against the better teams, we've got to punch it in, in the red zone. Um, and they're going to have a big test coming up this weekend against Missouri. Yeah, no, 100%. Like they, they, they won in every other facet of the game and we're going to, you know, want to be better and, and look at where we can improve on. Um, and that's something that's, that's kind of crippled them throughout the season. Um, and that that red zone efficiency of scoring touchdowns, this comes up big in big time football games um, and situational football where you just have to find a way to get seven. Like yeah. that's going to that's going to propel them and put them championship uh, over the top. That is 100 percent championship style caliber football um, that they're going to have to figure out and get done. But one thing to note about this game is something that was always said. Um, by Kirby during this week is whoever wins the line of scrimmage in this game wins the football game. They won the line of scrimmage. They won, had 171 rushing yards to 109 of Florida. Like, were able to run the football. We talked about that. And two, they protected Carson, too, and gave Big him time. an ample amount of time. So, man, when you're able to control the line of scrimmage, help your quarterback be able to play and operate, um, you're going to have a good day. And they did. They absolutely did all around great performance by Georgia. How about Kirby smart post game uh, with a little chirp to his old buddy, Dan Mullen. So it was interesting because Kirby was asked about, I don't even know what the question was or how it was worded, but essentially how did you feel or did you hear about some of the pundits in the media starting to move towards Florida, possibly winning this game and the loudest one was former Florida head coach Dan Mullen, now of ESPN. So Kirby said, yeah, I did hear it, you know, and I was kind of surprised as to why so many people were thinking that Georgia wasn't going to be ready to play or that Georgia was in a spot to where they could potentially lose. Um, and then he alluded to, you know, hey, I thought they were supposed to be my friends, hint, hint, Dan Mullen, and Kirby Smart follows it up with, quote, he didn't like to recruit, though. End quote. And you heard some audible gasps of people in the media in the post-game press conference. <gasps> I mean, look, that's no surprise. I think Dan Mullen's probably the first person to tell you that as well. But Kirby taking a shot across the bow there. I loved it. That's fun. And you know what? You can say whatever the hell you want after you drub Florida like that. Yeah, no, I like it, especially after that game, that situation. But hey, man, let's hold let's hold some of these TV guys and analysts accountable a little yeah, bit especially, especially, yeah. especially those who've coached and, and been in those positions and and uh guys you have a a, a a quite large winning record against no doubt about it you know you mentioned the red zone offense and how george is going to want to button that up and how that's a a true mark of championship football i do want to talk about the defense as well george's defense is pretty much tops across the sec in every statistical category yet people still think 
you know, they're not reaching their potential yet. I think we need some perspective, okay? Georgia's defense this year, for better or worse, is being compared to the Georgia defenses of the past two seasons, which historically are some of the greatest in all of college football. And I'll be the first to say, you know, maybe some perspective around the red zone offense as well, because just last year they were 81 of 83 in the red zone. Simply amazing. So we're comparing it to absolute greatness. Georgia is showing that they're getting better week after week. And I think probably most importantly, Jake, Georgia has shown that when the games are the biggest and the lights are the brightest and there is a lot on the line, they elevate their play. Look no further than Kentucky. Look no further than Florida. You're going to have another great opportunity coming up this weekend, hosting Missouri at home. Yeah, Speaking I of mean, that, yeah, go ahead, please. It, yeah, no, I, it's just it's time to play their best football. Uh, it's time to uh, uh, just tighten up all the screws in all the spots uh, because their best football is going to be needed down this stretch uh, and throughout the rest of the season. Absolutely. We are recording this on a Monday afternoon. I'm, I'm trying to update my screen because the game time for the Georgia Ole Miss game should be coming out any minute. I would expect that to be a 330 game. Uh, Georgia is hosting Missouri this weekend in Athens at 3.30, and that brings us to our solemn brothers. Big watch of the week for week 10, the first weekend of November. Man, college football, slow down. Think about that, Jake. It's November. The regular season ends in November. Hold on tight. Slow down time. We got a doozy, though. Coming up this weekend, your Solomon Brothers Big Watch of the Week for Week 10 starts at 3.30, and you get to keep it on one channel because the SEC on CBS has a doubleheader coming up this weekend. Number 14, Missouri, is at number one, Georgia, at 3.30. That rolls directly into the night game, LSU at Alabama. So Nestler and Danielson will be bringing that action to everybody At 8 p.m., the SEC on CBS, number 13 LSU, at number 8 Alabama, right after number 14 Missouri takes on number 1 Georgia. So that is two consecutive top 15 SEC tilts right there. The SEC on CBS, that's your Solomon Brothers Big Watch of the Week for Week 10. Again, it's November. I can't believe that. We're fired up. It's time to separate the contenders from the pre-tenders. Last thing uh, about Georgia, Florida. It was reported from the Associated Press that the 26 and 27, 2026, 2027, Georgia, Florida games could potentially be moved to a neutral site. Why? Well, the huge redevelopment of downtown Jacksonville and Everbank Stadium are set to take place those years. So where would the rivalry game be moved to? Some have petitioned for a home and home, meaning let Georgia host one in Athens, let Florida host one in Gainesville as they did in the late 90s. However, it seems like, Jake, these could be neutral site games, one being in Atlanta, the other being in Orlando with the idea of the city's bidding to host the games, therefore the games would be subsidized, therefore the universities would be paid to have those games in said cities and stadiums, I can guarantee you that is where the athletic administrations are leaning so they can get that cheddar. Yeah, Money money makes it all happen. 
it's about the money. Wherever they're going to make the most money is probably where it's going to be. I personally would love to see a home at home. I think it'd be uh, sick, too. Yes. I think it'd be cool, and I would just do my best to somehow be able to make uh, that game because I just think it'd be it'd be awesome. It'd be a cool experience uh, that that just like that group of guys would be able to have. That, oh, that so good. Then they get to talk about, and guys like me and you just get uh, left out, left on the fence, and we'll never be able to have that experience. <laughs> no, we will not. All right, let's go around college football a little bit, starting with what's going down in the Pac-12. Oregon dominated Utah. That was a top 15 matchup in the Pac-12. Utah had been absolute nails at home, but Oregon whoops up on a 35-6. to six. Are the Ducks for real? I think they most certainly are. Their only loss – by three points to Washington, who's also undefeated. Washington struggled against Stanford. They beat them 35-33 to 33 on the road. It seems like the Pac-12 is starting to beat up on each other. As I kind of predicted what happened, Jake, I do think Oregon is really playing good football. Everything is clearly out in front of them. Washington goes to USC this weekend. Oregon State lost at Arizona this past weekend. I think Oregon's the only hope that the Pac-12 has, and quite frankly, they're a team that I feel like is built to withstand their tough schedule for the latter part of this season. Yeah, it's, it's either going to be Oregon or it's going to be Washington. Um, can Washington hold on throughout the rest of the year? Uh, they can slip up, have one loss. They're just going to have to win that uh, Pac-12 championship at the end. Uh, I really like Oregon, though, man. I just I think they're a fully built team. Uh, I think – uh, they have a great offense. Um, they got a defensive-minded head coach, Dan Lanning. Uh, they just they play aggressively. Um, I like the way they played that Washington game uh, with an aggressive mindset. And hey, we're we're here to win. Um, you know that was a, a, a tough one to lose there at the end, but uh, I just I think they're built to withstand, and and I think they're going to have a chance here late in the year. No question about it. USC hosts Washington Saturday night at seven thirty p.m. USC beat Cal 50 to 49 this yeah. past weekend. Their defense is awful. I would definitely expect Michael Penix to get some. That Rome Adunza kid, that wide receiver, he is a baller at yeah. Washington. So that's going to be a really good game. But USC only has one conference loss right now. They've got one conference loss. So if they take care of Oregon next weekend, November 11th, who knows? Maybe they could keep Oregon out of the Pac-12 championship game. I don't know. A lot to still happen in the Pac-12. And then when you look at the Big 12, Oklahoma losing to Kansas this past weekend in Lawrence, it seems like the Big 12 might be in trouble for a college football playoff spot. Also, everybody had just assumed, me included, that Texas and Oklahoma would tee off in the Big 12 championship game, but not so fast, my friend. But not so fast. I, I think um, a lot of people expected this to be a, a tough test for Oklahoma, um, man. But I, I think to sit here and say that they were supposed to lose that game, I mean, I think that'd be false, man. I, I that that sucks, and they're going to have to fight it out uh, for the rest of the year just to make sure they get into that uh, Big Twelve championship game. Oklahoma hadn't lost to Kansas in Lawrence since 1997. They had won 18 straight games in this series. A lot of turnovers, kind of some funky weather. There was a delay in the first half due to lightning yeah. as well. So, look, it was a tough spot. I thought Oklahoma would bounce back after a bit of a scare against Central Florida. But they've shown to be vulnerable 
as well. So does Kansas State sneak into the Big 12 championship game? Obviously, Oklahoma still has a line on that one, but Kansas State heads to Texas coming up this weekend. Right now, atop the Big 12 standings, Oklahoma, Iowa State's 4-1. Oklahoma State's 4-1. Texas is 4-1. And and Kansas State is 4-1. And all those teams pretty much have to start teeing it up against each other in the coming weeks. So moral of my stories here, we have plenty of chaos ahead of us. November is going to be a very, very fun month of college football. All right, college football playoff rankings due out tomorrow night, Jake. What are your thoughts here? We talked about it last Thursday. There was a CBS Sports CFP rankings predictor that had Georgia ranked sixth. Would you be surprised if Georgia's not ranked number one in tomorrow night's first rendition of the college football playoffs? Rankings. No, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised because I think I think they like it to be about them. As in they want them, <laughs> they, they want, <laughs> excuse me, they want to be the topic of conversation. Of course. Uh, they want it to be about them. Uh, so they want to do something uh, just off schedule, something that doesn't make uh, all the sense in the world that's going to get the most buzz to get people talking about it, get the clicks. Um, and so they want to do something different than what's been listed the entire year um, as number one and two in Georgia and Michigan. So for them to flip that, um, I'm fully I'm fully expecting it to happen just because they want a little bit of chaos um, to pursue. Would they put Michigan there with all the with all the craziness that's going on around the Michigan program right now? You know, if you really want to drive some conversation and get people talking about the college football playoff committee and the rankings, put Michigan at number one, even despite what has been going on with our boy Connor Stallions over there. I heard he also had like a 600-page manifesto written about how he was going to take over Michigan football. This guy is a true savage. Too bad he got caught. I would have loved to have seen his grand scheme to upend Jim Harbaugh and become head coach of Michigan football. But I would say Georgia-Michigan will be 1-2. I'm not going to be surprised either way that goes. I would put Florida State at 3. I think Florida State has proven themselves way better than Ohio State. No question about it. And then I would put Washington maybe at 4. I would keep Ohio State on the outside. I know they've had a couple of pretty good wins here the past couple of weeks, but they just haven't proven it to me yet. So mine would be... Georgia, Michigan, one, two, whichever way you want. Florida State, three. Washington, four. Ohio State, five. That is my college football playoff top five if I were on the committee. Yeah, I think I'm right there with you. Uh, I'm trying to go back and look at Ohio State's wins. Notre Dame. They got Notre Dame and they got Penn State. Yeah. I mean, those are two top 15 wins. Uh, I I just think that's going to be So they're probably going to be three. That's going to be tough, even though I like Florida State at three. Yeah. I just committee wise, like if they don't put them at three, then what's, then what's the criteria here? Um, so we're looking at um, kind of the, the strength of the wins. Uh, let's go look at Florida state here and who have they beaten? They beat Clemson, right? Obviously Clemson, I, dude, we need to talk about Clemson. They are in I, complete shambles right now, but let me c- continue on with your Florida state take. Yeah. So how, how impressive does that look now? Not too impressive anymore. Clemson's not going to have a 10-win season for the first time in a decade. Um, Duke, 
Uh, LSU, okay. Yeah, I mean, they got LSU. LSU's a good one. For sure. Yeah, okay. That's a good one. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I honestly, Florida State might get canned, and Washington might be four. Yeah, I could see that as well. I even can absolutely I, see that. Even though I don't like it, but I could see it because of the criteria, so to speak. And it'll all play itself out That's late right. in the year. People have to play each other um, and, you know, all that good stuff. But just just based on criteria that I've seen in the past, I could do that. I could see Michigan 1, Ohio State 2, Georgia 3, and Washington 4. Just based off like strength of wins. Yes, indeed. It'll be interesting. No surprises, yeah. but if they, you know, put, I would not be surprised if they threw Washington in the top four, which I think we're both saying yeah. they will because Washington has a huge game coming up this weekend at USC, which is the nationally televised game yeah. on ABC. All right. I told you I was expecting it. Here it is the SEC football schedule on November the 11th. There's some flex scheduling here. So Ole Miss at Georgia will either be on the SEC on CBS or ESPN at 7 p.m. or SEC Network at 7.30 p.m. I don't think it'll be on the SEC Network. Florida at LSU will either be on the SEC on CBS at 3.30 or ESPN at 7 or SEC Network at 7.30 p.m. Here is what I think. If I'm putting on my media hat, I did graduate with a degree in telecommunications from the Grady School of Journalism. Here's what will happen. Georgia Ole Miss will be at 3.30 on CBS. Florida at LSU will be on ESPN at 7 p.m. And then Tennessee at Missouri will be at 7.30 p.m. on the SEC Network. So expect that. Plan your weekend of November the 11th accordingly. All right, before we go, dude, we've got to talk about Clemson. Complete shambles. Four ACC losses already. What has happened? This is... It's it's sad. It's unfortunate. You know, are we watching the death of a program as the game just completely passed by them? I don't even know where to go. It's just it's just crazy. It really is. They um, just it just looks like they missed on a couple of recruiting classes in a row. Um, I mean, what I mean, first off, let's talk. I mean, they had uh, they had Deshaun. And they had Trevor, right? Like those are those yes. are two really good dudes um, playing quarterback for your team, and you can you can make stuff happen, and you can accumulate wins with those two guys playing quarterback for you. Um, so, I mean, they don't have a generational talent playing quarterback. Um, they don't have the dudes at receiver anymore. Um, and they, they got just, nothing. They've got, they got a two and like, they've got a two and four ACC record is what they have. Yeah. They're hosting Notre Dame this weekend, which, you know, preseason, you're thinking, okay, that's going to be a knockdown drag out game. Clemson's going to be fighting for college football playoff spot. Nope. Crickets. Nothing. Number Nobody 12, cares. Notre Dame coming in to Clemson. That game's at noon on ABC. I believe our buddy Sean McDonough will be on the call, Greg McElroy and Molly McGrath. Before I let you go, I do need to mention Georgia Tech. They beat. 
Yes. Well, ranked, no, 20th ranked UNC. UNC's now lost two straight. They lost to Virginia, then they lost to Georgia Tech. I believe that's the third straight season Georgia Tech football has beat UNC. And there is a statistic floating around on the interwebs that is actually quite fascinating. First off, Haynes King, shout out to him. Huge win. Brent Key, shout out to him. I mean, that's just a big, big win for the Georgia Tech football program, which has had some pretty ugly losses so far this season. You were up 14 against Bowling Green, and then you blow that one. And there's been a couple of other real head scratchers as well. Georgia Tech has two big wins this year, North Carolina and the Miami debacle. Yes. Here's the statistic. I just found it. Georgia Tech is having one of the strangest seasons I've ever seen. First off, the Yellow Jackets have only won in their even-numbered games. Their wins have come in games 2, 4, 6, and 8. Game 10 is against Clemson. Game 12 is against Georgia. Second, they've played three ranked teams. All three of them have been ranked in the AP poll at number 17. They lost to number 17 Ole Miss. They beat number 17 Miami, and they beat number 17 North Carolina. They're 2-1 and one against the AP number 17 ranked teams. Those two wins over ranked teams are the most of any team in the state of Georgia. These are their last four games. An 11-point loss to Bowling Green, a victory over number 17 Miami, a 15-point loss to Boston College, and a victory over number 17 ranked North Carolina. Their win over Miami was absurd enough that the Canes had them beat, but they chose to run the ball instead of taking a knee. We all know about that one. I'm reading this tweet. Bear with me. They had zero points in the first and third quarters. All 46 of their points came in the second and fourth quarters. Going back to their last nine games. This is insane. (laughs) I'm going to move on after this. Excuse me. Here's the weirdest part of Georgia Tech season. Georgia Tech has scored 254 points. Georgia Tech has allowed 254 points. Georgia Tech has scored 33 touchdowns. Georgia Tech has allowed 33 touchdowns. It's crazy. This is a fascinating tweet. I'll retweet it. See me at Drew Butler on Twitter. I don't know. I mean, do you buy it? Is that just there are no coincidences or is that all just an extreme coincidence? There are no coincidences. (laughs) I'm on that train. You go. All right. Well, uh, that pretty much does it. I might have lost you there with some of that Georgia Tech stuff <laughs> I, I just read there from my phone, but um, that's a mind bender. That is a mind bender. I would not expect Georgia to be really scared, even though they're playing Tech on an even numbered 12th game of the season. Um, anything on the way out, brother man? What you got? No, man. Just excited for Tuesday night. I uh, can't wait to see this. Um kind of college football playoff ranking so we can yeah. talk about it some more and just eat those dudes alive for believing well, in what they believe in oh yeah i can't wait we will absolutely tear the committee apart on thursday's episode of punt and pass you can expect that from us uh halloween plans party what are you going to be dressed up as uh yeah uh absolutely so uh we got something at the facility tonight uh the teammate logan thomas tonight stolen a halloween party shout uh, out logan guys. thomas had LT. a touchdown yesterday yeah that's right let's go um and the wife and i are going to be uh going off the movie grease nice be uh one of the t-bird she's gonna be one of the pink ladies i think that's correct uh, last minute last minute halloween store so that always uh, helps us out, pulls us through. Awesome. The best, the best. Yeah, dude, Halloween now with three daughters under the age of five is like a, a Super Bowl 
So they wanted me to dress up as a scarecrow. I'll have a little scarecrow get up on tomorrow. We'll have some. Nice. This to be pretty chilly down here in Georgia tomorrow. So yeah, should be good holiday weather for sure. Holiday seasons are upon us. Make sure you get on over to Solomon Brothers Jewelers to take care of your significant other. Family owned and operated since 1982, the largest diamond and jewelry inventory in the Southeast. If you mention Punt and Pass or myself or Jake, you can get 10% off your jewelry purchase. The lowest prices on the highest quality in jewelry and diamonds guaranteed. That's Solomon Brothers. Check them out at Solomon Brothers on Instagram and Twitter. SolomonBrothers.com. Check us out on social media at Punt and Pass, at Drew Butler, at From Jake. PuntandPass.com. And we will talk to you on Thursday. Happy Halloween. See ya. See ya. We out. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves. And people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY. And there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required. And they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. A lifetime of hard work. Children laughing in the kitchen. Family photos on a restaurant wall. A legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation. Like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC.